Burt Reynolds is Gator, and inside of 10 minutes, he's going to destroy 14 boats. He's going to wreck dozens of cars. Blow up a motel. He's going to drag a man around a parking lot and throw him off the top of his car. And just wait until you see what he does in the movie. Now, Burt Reynolds is about to be maimed, mangled, mutilated, and made mincemeat of as he takes on the crooked cops in Dunstan County. Jerry Reed is the king of Dunstan County. Well, my name is Bam McCarthy. I don't usually come by here uh, to make collections, but uh, I just want to come by and say hello. He runs the games. I want you to check on a guy named Gator McCluskey. He sells the girls. He owns the cops. I'm gonna kill him. Lauren Hutton is Aggie Maybank. She may be Gator's lady. You charmed the shirt right off my back. But she's her own woman. He's got a place at the beach and we can stay there. There's nobody out there this time of year. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who said that you could make all the decisions? Who said you could make all the decisions? I should be making the decisions. That was a that was a good decision that you made. Wasn't that a good one that you made? Thank you. You're right. Right. Jack Weston is the fit. Alice Ghostly is the fin. I'm strangely attracted to you. Together they're dynamite. Oh my God. Jack Weston. <laughs> Lauren Hutton. <laughs> Jerry Reed. Alice no. Ghostly and the master of the hit, hit, slam, bash, choke, smother, and squash. A man of stamina, strength, and boundless energy, the one and only Burt Reynolds. Now we know you're in there. We coming to get you, Gator. Hello everyone, welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast, and what am I looking at this time? I'm looking at the 1976 movie Gator, starring Burt Reynolds, Jack Weston, Lauren Hutton, and Jerry Reed. Gator is the sequel to the movie White Lightning, featuring the, the character Gator, played by Burt Reynolds. And this was Burt Reynolds' feature film directing debut. He directed a television show once that he was involved in, but this was his first major motion picture directing job. That's how the movie got made. Burt didn't want to do it, and they said, do you want to direct? And he said yes, and that's how the movie got made. I have not seen either White Lightning or Gator. I mean, I've seen Gator, but I haven't seen White Lightning. I'm just doing them out of order because that's just the kind of guy I am. I don't really think you needed to see White Lightning to get Gator. I got the gist of it. And let's get started. Maybe you did need to see it because the beginning of the movie is kind of convoluted. Uh, we see once again Jack Weston, who was in the movie Fuzz with Burt Reynolds. Uh, I did that podcast. Please check that one out. And we are in Georgia. And we see flying uh, over the Georgia Capitol at the beginning of the movie the United States flag and the Confederate flag. So yes, 76. Very, very different time. And we see uh, the mayor... Uh, the mayor of Georgia, he's talking to all of his, you know, the people in his cabinet. There's there's something 
there is a county in Georgia which is giving him trouble. I pieced it together. It wasn't very clear at the beginning. There's like this little county in Georgia that is just, it's being run by this guy named Bama McCall, played by Jerry Reed. And it's just, he's collecting protection money. He's setting fires. He runs this. And apparently everybody knows this, but nobody can do anything about this. I don't know why, but they can't. Uh, one of the mayor's, I'm sorry, one of the governor's men say that there's a guy from New York to see him. That's Jack Weston. His name is Greenfield. And of course, the governor of Georgia immediately says, why did they send us a New York Jew? This movie paints people from the South very, not in a very kind light. The only person they really paint in a good light is Burt Reynolds. Everybody else in the South, whether they are a good person or they're supposed to be a good person or a bad person, just sort of has a racist tilt to them uh, throughout this movie, except for Burt Reynolds. Well, uh, Jack Weston walks in and he wants to get this Bama McCall. And he says the way to do it is with, with this guy named Gator. Gator, played by Burt Reynolds. Gator is a two-time loser, and Gator is also a friend of Bama. So Jack Weston thinks what we can do is, if we can get Gator in there, Gator can gather the information on Bama. Once we get the information on Bama, then we can send him to jail. And Gator will do what we want to do, because he's a two-time loser, and he's running moonshine again. That's what he went to jail for two times, running moonshine. He's a two-time loser for running moonshine. And he says we can threaten him with jail for a third time because he's running moonshine again. Or we can send him in as our guy undercover to get the goods on Bama. It's a very, very convoluted plot. And we get all this exposition right at the beginning. Well, we cut to uh, the swamp. There's an old man walking up to a shack. Uh, this old man is Burt Reynolds' dad. And there's a little girl on the steps of his of this shack, and that's Burt Reynolds' daughter. Burt Reynolds is in there making himself breakfast. He's been out of jail not too long, and he's with his dad, and they've gone back to running moonshine. This is sort of like the movie Stick, which I've also done a podcast, where Burt Reynolds is an ex-con that has a younger daughter, and in this movie and in Stick, which they both, which he directed both, by the way, the younger daughters are still enamored with their dad, even though they've been in jail. So just like in Stick, this is goes against the stereotype of a girl being ashamed of her father being in jail. She actually doesn't mind, and she loves her father. And you can tell this is it's a close knit family. You can tell by the audio right here. Breakfast girl. And ate before you got up. Yeah. What 
time they wake you up in that place. <laughs> you know, you hang around with murderers and thieves and crooks and Lord knows what else. Them ain't nice people for you to hang around with. <laughs> I'll try to remember that, Pop. That's a good idea. You done lost all your respect for quality. Now, you name me one thing of quality that you can do today. License plates? License plates. Yep. I can make quality license plates. I was going to make one of them personalized ones for you. Except I didn't know how to spell senile. Senile, am I? I'm going to have to take you down a notch or two, Gator. How'd you like I put a Dutch rub on you right now, huh? Do it, Grandpa. Do it, Grandpa. And you, young lady, mind your manners. Gator, this child's been out of school too long. Two years. She's beginning to revert to the wilds. Is that right, girl? She's reverting back to the wilds? Well, now we see the boats, and Jack Weston is on one of the boats, and they're trying to find Burt Reynolds' shack, and they send a helicopter... And the helicopter finds the shack and drops a smoke bomb. And Jack Weston is, follow that smoke bomb. And the sheriff who's in the boat with him says, we can't do that. And Jack Weston says, follow that goddamn smoke bomb. And they drive right into the reeds and get caught. Burt Reynolds sees the smoke bomb uh, and he jumps into his boat. Uh, he puts a ball cap on. And this also reminds me of a different Burt Reynolds movie, Cannonball Run, where there's also, he's in a speedboat scene. And he also has a hat on, and I think this serves two purposes. One, I think the hat uh, makes sure his toupee doesn't fly off. And two, when he does the stunts, it's easier to uh, cover the the stuntman's face if he's wearing a hat. Burt Reynolds takes off in a boat. Now there's this giant boat chase between him and the cops. And he's running through the boats. And Jack Weston's on the radio communicating with all the people in the boats. Have you got him? And Burt Reynolds runs over these boats and runs them aground. And while all this is happening, a couple of federal agents have arrested his dad and his daughter. So after this 10-minute boat race, Burt Reynolds comes back home and Jack Weston is sitting right there. And he's like, what do you want? And Jack Weston's like, we want Bama and we have your daughter and your father. Now, if you don't want your father going to jail for running moonshine, if you don't want your daughter to go into an orphanage, you're going to help us out. So Jack Weston is now blackmailing Burt Reynolds to help him out. It just seems like that whole boat racing scene, it was, sure it was cool to look at, but it didn't, it just got us back to where we started at the beginning of the movie, at the shack. So Jack Weston is where he wanted to be in the first place. We just went around, long, around, about, day, get, 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 get there. Whew. Now we cut to Dunstan County, and that's the county that is giving everybody trouble in Georgia. That's the county run by Jerry Reed. And we see this man driving a convertible, and this is a giant man. His head sticking out of the top of a convertible. That's how big he is. And they pull up in front of a topless disco. Once again, 1976. They pull up. Jerry Reed walks inside and he tells the girl watching the door, you know, tell the manager I'm here. Tell him I'm here to get my protection money. And he walks in and he sees this bouncer. And this bouncer is a big dude. And Jerry Reed just takes him out. Bam. And this other bouncer tries to take him out. And he flips him over the bar. Even though Jerry Reed has this giant bodyguard bones the guy's like seven foot three even though he has this giant bodyguard he can still take care of himself and he goes to the manager of the club he says i want my money 
The manager of the club says, I've talked to the people in Detroit who own this club. They don't want to give you your money. And Jerry Reed says, you know that what? This place is a fire hazard. And what happens five minutes later? The place is on fire. Now we cut to Burt Reynolds and Jack Weston. They're on their way to Dunstan County. They're driving. And I've said this before in the in Stick, the movie that Burt Reynolds directed. Any personal conversations between two people in his movies are very, very natural and very, very nice. There, it's, it's a very, very natural car ride between Burt Reynolds and Jack Weston while they're heading to Dunstan County. Now, I will say this. It's nice monologue, but they, they seem to get really, really friendly really, really quickly. And Burt Reynolds, this is a man that's blackmailing you with your father and your daughter. And he gets really chummy with them really quickly. At first, I thought it might be a ploy, but as the movie goes along, they become best buddies. The guy from the government who's blackmailing you. Well, they pull into town, and Burt Reynolds drops Jack Weston off at this flea bag hotel, and he says, well, you're undercover. you got to stay here. They'll never expect an undercover man to stay here. And then Burt Reynolds goes and stays in the best hotel in the county. And the next scene, there's a parade. Uh, Burt Reynolds is walking through the parade, and and that's where he finds uh, Jerry Reed. They're old friends. And actually, Burt Reynolds, he's taking this job because he he has to. But he's also doing it because he wants to prove... Everybody says that Bama is doing all these bad things, and Burt Reynolds is a friend of his, and he, he really wants to prove that he isn't doing these things. So he has a motive for doing this besides being forced to do it. He runs into Jerry Reed, and they start talking, and they start reminiscing. And during this parade, uh, Lauren Hutton is a newscaster, and he sees Lauren Hutton up on a up on some scaffolding, and boom, immediately he catches her eye. And she doesn't see him at first, but he sees her. And the next scene is we are now in the governor's mansion. Guess who Jerry Reed owns? That's right, he owns the governor. And while Burt Reynolds is in the governor's mansion, there's a bunch of women in bikinis there, and we've met one of Jerry Reed's bodyguards, Bones, a seven seven foot three guy, and we've met his uh, now we're meeting his other bodyguard, Smiley. And Smiley is a creepy dude, and he comes up and he puts his arm around Burt Reynolds and he taught, you know, he knows Burt Reynolds was in prison and he talks about, you know, what happens in prison between men in the shower. And it's just really, really off-putting and it's really, really creepy. Uh, and I think that's what they were going for. And it, it, it comes off as creepy, but it also comes off as coming out of nowhere. Is, uh, is this guy smiley? Is he gay? Is he hitting on Burt Reynolds? Or is he just trying to make Burt Reynolds feel uncomfortable? We're never really made clear of what that interaction is right there. And while all this is going on, Jerry Reed is on the phone. He's talking to somebody, telling him to check out uh, Burt Reynolds. So Jerry Reed does not trust Burt Reynolds altogether. He's sending some guy to, to get any information he can on him. The next scene is Jerry Reed and Burt Reynolds going to an establishment. And as Jerry Reed puts it, it is a black establishment. And he starts telling Burt Reynolds how you deal with black people. And remember what I said before about painting uh, the Southerners as, uh, as you know, racists? Well, we do, you know, Jerry Reed really comes across as racist in this scene. And it's made crystal clear because we really want to push the fact that Burt Reynolds is a good guy, even though he's from the South. 
because there's a line where Jerry Reed goes, you've always been colorblind, haven't you? Just saying that, yeah, Burt Reynolds does not care the color of your skin. So that was very, very heavy-handed to say, look, our guy, he's from the South, but he's, he's a good old boy, but he ain't racist, he's colorblind. And he goes in and he tries to get his money from this establishment, and uh, they don't have it, so he shoots the uh, he shoots the jukebox. He has a sawed-off shotgun with him, and he shoots the jukebox. And when he goes out, the owner of the club tries to run him down, and Jerry Reed shoots out the tires of his car, and he walks up to the guy, and the guy all of a sudden has his money. Now we're at a country club that Jerry Reed belongs to, and Jerry Reed and Burt Reynolds are having lunch, and Jerry Reed's going to hire Burt Reynolds. $400 a week, and Burt Reynolds is going to be one of his collectors. And while this is happening, Lauren Hutton walks up to the table, and she confronts Jerry Reed about his no-good deeds. I compared this movie to Stick before, and I'm going to compare this movie to Stick later. Uh, but in this moment right here, uh, you know, this is the first time where Lauren Hutton and Burt Reynolds are face-to-face. And she pretty much ignores Burt Reynolds this entire... Jerry Reed introduces Burt Reynolds to her, but she doesn't go all goo-goo and gaga over him right at that moment. She has something else on her mind. She tells off Jerry Reed. This is what she tells. Uh, this is what she says to uh, Jerry Reed at lunch. Well, now, what's it going to be? going to be steak, steak, you want lobster, maybe you want a bone. Mr. McCall, I'd like to speak to you for a minute. Well, Aggie... Uh, I gave him a cluster. Say hello to Agatha Maybank. She's the star of uh, Dunstan County Television. Sit down, Agatha. You had my series canceled. Your what? The documentary show on poverty that we were doing in Dunstan County. Well, who told you that? Caffrey's office. Oh, Caffrey's office. Well, I'm afraid you might have overestimated my influence a little bit. Then, uh, on the other hand... Don't nobody like to watch that junk on television anyway. Hell's depressing, ain't it? Mr. McCall, television is independently owned, and there's an FCC regulation that forbids interference by local political authorities. Uh, honey, now look, if you want to have a drink with us, you're welcome to stay. But if you come over here to piss and moan at me, excuse my French, and I don't want to hear you women's live poverty program bullshit. Not while I'm enjoying my meal here with my friend and paying for it with my own money. I see. But, uh, you are welcome to stay and have a drink. That's what they taught you up there at Vassar, my NBC. No. But they did teach me where the Civil Liberties Union's located. Mr. McCluskey. The next scene is Burt Reynolds collecting from one of the businesses owned by a black woman. It's a very, very awkward for Burt Reynolds to do this. I'm if you've, you've listened to my podcast before, you've always I've always toted on tightening things up. If we can tighten it up, tighten it up. This movie is an hour and 54 minutes long. This movie is close to 2 hours long, and it does not need to be anywhere close to 2 hours long. This movie has a tone problem, and I will talk about that later. This scene shows where Burt Reynolds is picking up money, uh, you know, he's collecting extortion money from this business, and it's just it just shows us that Burt Reynolds doesn't want to do this. Well, we know, we already know that Burt Reynolds is the good guy, and we already know that Jerry Reed is the bad guy, 
and we already know that poor people are getting pushed around. It was just an unneeded scene telling us stuff we already knew. So that scene could have been cut. The next scene is we go to this whorehouse, and Burt Reynolds is looking for Jerry Reed, and he walks in, and it's, it's a real hippy-dippy whorehouse. All these, all the women in there are like hippies, and they're blasted out of their mind. Burt Reynolds finds Jerry Reed, and he starts talking to him. And I'm going to say, Jerry Reed plays a good bad guy. He plays a good, even-keeled bad guy. He doesn't chew the scenery in this movie. He doesn't play it over the top. He plays a low-key bad guy where you know that you're in trouble. And he doesn't have to raise his voice a tick to get that across. I know Jerry Reed is mostly known for his singing and being his, uh, being the comedy guy in uh, Smokey and the Bandit movies. But he plays a really good, low-key evil guy. Burt Reynolds and, and Jerry Reed have a talk in the whorehouse. It's a nice scene about Jerry telling Burt, you know, if you want something out in the world, you better take it or somebody's going to take you. They get done talking. Jerry Reed, he just got done having sex with a girl who was 15 and a half years old. That's what happened in the movie. And he leaves the room and he leaves Burt Reynolds in the room with this girl. And then Burt Reynolds and this girl have a scene, and he finds out that she's 15 and a half. He also finds out that all the girls in the whorehouse, none of them are older than 16. It's disgusting. And she opens up her music box, and she has all of her drugs, all of her pills in there. And she starts flaunting these pills under Burt Reynolds' nose. And he, and he grabs her, and he shakes her, and he slaps her. Yeah, and he's like, how old are you? And she's like, 15 and a half. And this just happened. A scene where Burt Reynolds is confronting, you know, is is finding out that a 15-year-old drug addict is a, is a prostitute in a whorehouse. We jump immediately to a scene of Jack Weston staying in Burt Reynolds' hotel, but he gets kicked out because he's not registered guest there. It's totally comedic. And it totally undercuts the scene we just saw. We had no time for that scene to sink in where Burt Reynolds is, con you know, this he's in a whorehouse where nobody, where all the women in the house are no older than 16. Then we go right to a comedy scene, and then we go right back to the whorehouse where Burt Reynolds confronts Jerry Reed. Why was that little comedy bit in there? It did not need to be in there. It just ruined any dramatic gravity that scene had just totally ruined it. Burt Reynolds confronts Jerry Reed. He says he wants out. Jerry Reed has his bodyguard Bones drug Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds passes out from the drug. You know, he slips him a Mickey in his drink. Burt Reynolds passes out. And Jerry Reed tells his bodyguard, he goes, put him in his car. Point him out of town. Don't hurt him. At this point... Jerry Reed is still showing some loyalty to his friend. He wants him out of town, but he doesn't want him hurt. But that is not how it goes for Jack Weston. We cut to Jack Weston. He's in a bar. He's talking to this guy. He's a little drunk. He's drinking beer. I don't think I've said it, but I think it might be implied that all the cops in this county are on the take. All these cops are in Jerry Reed's pocket. And one of the cops recognizes Jack Weston as an agent. He 
surreptitiously takes the gun out of Jack Weston's belt, and then Jack Weston leaves the bar, and then Jerry Reed's two bodyguards, the seven foot four guy and the smiley, just uh, ends up beating the crap out of him. We don't see that. We see them two converging on Jack Weston, and then we cut to Burt Reynolds in his car, pointing out of town. He wakes up, and he immediately does a U-turn and heads back into town. And Burt Reynolds goes right to the hospital, and we find out that Jack Weston did get the crap beat out of him. He's in a neck brace. He's got bandages on him. And Burt Reynolds is in the hospital. But Burt Reynolds, how did Burt Reynolds know that Jack Weston got the crap beat out of him and was in the hospital? It seems like he went ju- he went right there. I, so I don't know how that happened. That is a time jump that we didn't see. And while Burt Reynolds is in the hospital, Lauren Hutton, who's a reporter, comes up to him and starts asking him questions about Jack Weston. Is he from out of town? Is he an undercover agent? What's he doing here? And Burt Reynolds is very, very evasive. And he walks away from her. And she turns off her camera. And she ta- she starts talking to him. And now this is when the connection between Lauren Hutton and Burt Reynolds happens. And now I'm going to compare it again to the movie Stick. In the movie Stick, Burt Reynolds was an ex-con and uh, Candace Bergen was a legit businesswoman who fell in love with him. In Gator, Burt Reynolds is an ex-con and Lauren, ba- and Lauren Bacall, Lauren Hutton is a legitimate reporter who falls in love with him. So we have this theme in these movies where these smart, intelligent, educated women go for the ex-con with the heart of gold, of course. Not any ex-con. The ex-con with the heart of gold who has a daughter at home. He's really a good guy. Just misunderstood. Right. Lauren Hutton tries to get any information she can out of Burt Reynolds and she finally convinces him to go to lunch with her, and that's what they do. As they leave the hospital, they get in the car, and Smiley, one of Jerry Reed's guys, sticks a gun in the window. Well, Lauren Bacall, God damn it, I'm gonna... Well, Lauren Hutton grabs the gun out of his hand, and Burt Reynolds rolls up the window, so Smiley is caught in this window of the car, and Burt Reynolds drives around the parking lot of the hospital with him hanging out of it, he finally lets him out of the car, and then Bones, a seven foot three guy, is there, and Burt Reynolds chases him down with a car, and Bones, he climbs on top of some cards, and Burt Reynolds just smashes him and sends him crashing to the pavement and then drives off. And while they're driving off, Lauren Bacall, fuck me. And while they drive off, Lauren Hutton says she knows a woman who used to work used to work in the government, and she knows where all these hidden journals are about the governor and about Jerry Reed. So they say there's two sets of books, one that they pay taxes on and ones that they don't. And she goes, I know where the second set of books are. And I just recently got fired. So this woman is take them into City Hall. She stole the keys and she's going to show them where these books are. So Burt Reynolds and Lauren Hutton go back to Jack Weston and say, we've got this. We can do this. We can got the information on, uh, on on Jerry Reed and the governor. And Jack Weston is thrilled. He's like, do it. Get those books. Get back to me as soon as possible. Burt Reynolds, Lauren Hutton, and this woman pull up in front of City Hall. Now, I forgot to say that this woman is a crackpot. She's weird. She's a cat lady. She loves her cats. And she actually brought her cats along on this 
you know, on this heist. And she won't go on the heist. She won't go in and show them where the journals are if the cats don't come with them. So Burt Reynolds is holding these cats while breaking into City Hall. So it's this wacky comedy. It's like, we're, I'm holding a cat and it's digging into my side. And we're breaking into City Hall and we got cats. And remember a few scenes earlier, we were talking to a 15-year-old drug addict prostitute. That's the tone of this movie. Here, 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 here. It's never the same for one moment to the next. Wacky, wacky comedy. Deep, depressing social commentary. They get into the city hall. They get the books. They're giant books. They're going to make copies of them. But before they can do that, the security guard sounds the alarm. And so they have to run out. So Burt Reynolds carries the books, Lauren Bacall is carrying the cats, and the crazy cat lady is screaming her head off. And they are able to get out of, um, they're able to get out of City Hall, the cops pull up, they elude the cops, get in the cop car, and drive away. And after they drive away, they call Jack Weston, say, we've got the evidence. I'm going to bring it to you in the morning. And Jack Weston is like, hell no, you're going to bring it to me now. I'm going to be at the emergency exit. Come pick me up in five minutes. So Jack Weston stumbles out of bed, shuffles out, gets to the emergency exit. When he gets out, there's a couple of lights blinking at him, and he thinks it's Burt Reynolds. Well, the car pulls up, and it's Smiley. It ain't Burt Reynolds. Smiley tells Jack Weston to get in the car, but before he can, Burt Reynolds comes up, smashes the car, and sends Smiley flying. And Jack Weston gets in the cop car and they drive away. And we do not see Smiley for the rest of the movie. So either he was killed or he got hurt so bad he couldn't do his job. But that's the last time we see Smiley. And while they're driving, they're trying to figure out what to do. And Lauren Bacall says, well, we can go to my house. We can get a different car. We can ditch the cop car. And then we can go to my uncle's beach house. It's, it's on the beach. There's nobody out there this time of year. We'll have a lot of privacy, and we can figure out what to do with these journals. So that's what they do. We cut to the police telling Jerry Reed what happened, how they got away. And once again, Jerry Reed, very low-key, very subtly says, Okay, no more chances for Gator. This time I'm going to kill him. So in Jerry Reed's mind, Jerry gave him every opportunity possible to get out of town. He didn't take it. Now he's got to die. And we're at the beach, and Jack Weston says, we got to find a phone. i got to call my office. And Burt Reynolds is like, there's no phone out here on the beach. Where are we going to find a phone? Well, if you think, they said they were going to go to Lauren Hutton's house first to get a car, and then go to the beach house. So while you're at Lauren Hutton's house, why didn't you use the phone at Lauren Hutton's house instead of getting out to the beach and realizing there was no phone? While they're doing that, Burt Reynolds says, I need to get some driftwood for the fire. Why don't you come out with me and help me? He's talking to Lauren Hutton. It's like, come out to the beach with me and to help me get some driftwood. And as those two go out to the beach, uh, the crazy cat lady starts hitting on Jack Weston. And at this point, it's really comical because Jack Weston is all, he's got his neck brace on, he's got casts on, he's limping, he's just a mess. And she is all over him. And he doesn't want to have anything to do with this. And then we're at the beach. Once again, this is almost the exact same scene out of Stick, where two people are on the beach, and Burt Reynolds talks about his time in jail. This is some of the conversation that he and Lauren Hutton have at the beach. 
you want? It's very toasty. myself right into prison two times four years I do one thing good though what's that make pretty babies oh yeah yeah I can prove it who has to do <laughs> I'm talking about my nine-year-old daughter she's about nine years old going on 35 where's your mother I don't know. After a couple of years, she got tired of waiting and cut out. You gonna have some kids sometime? No. And what I like about this, uh, for those of you who know who Lauren Hutton is, uh, she was a famous actress and model who was famous for having a uh, gap between her front teeth. And she makes fun of it. She says, the people at the station think I should fill in the gap between my teeth. What do you think? And she puts her finger up there. And Burt Reynolds is like, yeah, maybe you look better with the gap not in your teeth. So she she recognizes this and she has fun with this, which I think is great. And then afterwards, they have sex on the beach. Gross. Well, back at the beach house, crazy cat lady puts Jack Weston to sleep and she cuddles up next to him. So one couple is having sex and one couple is cuddling. And uh, Lauren and uh, Bert wake up on the beach. They go back to the beach house. Then they go in the town for some groceries and to make a call. And then they go to a phone booth. And there's these two kids in the phone booth. And now it's a, it's a Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy thing where these two kids are in the they're trying to collect a reward for a dog they found. And they're like, Burt Reynolds, you know, they're like, tell this kid. It's just really, you know, Burt Reynolds gets into the phone booth. Burt Reynolds gets out of the phone booth. It's just, no, it doesn't need, out, cut, gone, doesn't, no, go, go. Does not need to be there. Get it out. It's, it's, it's a worthless comedic scene that does nothing for the plot. Burt Reynolds ends up calling his office, telling the office what's happened, get some people out here to the beach. We've got the evidence. While they're out getting groceries, Jerry Reed and uh, Bones go to the beach house, and Jerry Reed flat out just blows John Weston away. He takes that uh, double-barreled shotgun, sawed-off shotgun, just blows him away. They drag the crazy cat lady out. Once again, Jerry Reed sets fire to the place. And the crazy cat lady knows, you know, my babies are inside. And she runs back in and the house explodes. So Jack Weston and the crazy cat lady are dead. 
Remember that scene before when we were doing a wacky phone booth skit? You know, wacky phone booth scene? Well, now two people have been brutally, brutally murdered. What is the tone of this movie? I do not know. Burt Reynolds and Lauren Hutton pull back up to the beach. Fire trucks, police are there. And they, they, you know, they have to get away. They go to this very low, low rent, cheap hotel, and they rent a room in this hotel. And that's where uh, Burt Reynolds calls uh, Jerry Reed, and he basically says, "I want two thousand dollars." And I want a plane ticket home. Jerry Reed's like, sure, I'll do that. And we know that Jerry Reed is not going to do that. Jerry Reed is going to go there and try to blow them away. And Burt Reynolds knows that. It was a trap to get them to come to the hotel. While they are driving to the hotel, Burt Reynolds sort of sets a trap. Well, not sort of. He does. He sets a trap. He, he ties some string around the doorknob of the door and around the lamp. And apparently in these rooms, they have their own gas furnaces. So he turns the gas on. I don't think that that would not be possible nowadays, but this they turn the gas on and the room is filling up with gas and they leave and then Jerry Reed and Bones and they pull up and they find out what room Burt Reynolds is staying in and Bones and Jerry Reed get out of the car and Jerry Reed hands Bones a sawed-off shotgun. He goes, Bones, I want you to have this one. And I'm not sure why he did this. Is it one, that Burt Reynolds was his friend and he didn't want to be the one to kill Burt Reynolds? Or did he think it was a trap and he didn't want to go into a trap so he's going to send Bones into a trap? Uh, it's unclear why he did this. But he does. And Bones opens the door. When he opens the door, the lamp falls off the table. It startles Bones and he shoots the shotgun and the whole broom explodes. Ba-boom! And after the room explodes, Jerry Reed sees Burt Reynolds. Jerry Reed runs and uh, he flags this woman down who's driving on the beach in the truck, throws her out of the truck. He gets in the truck and drives away. And then Burt Reynolds hops on the back of the truck and they're driving and the truck overturns. And now Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed get into a fight on the beach. And you know how on the beach, how they have these stands, they have a hot dog stand or a cotton candy stand. Well, all these stands are on the beach and they're all closed at this time of year. And Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed are just fighting each other and they're doing their own stunts. They're doing their own fighting and they're doing their own stunts, which looked really good. And they're going, they're crashing through, you know, one of these stands to the next and they finally get to the last stand and Burt Reynolds just takes Jerry Reed's neck, just slams the front of the stand, bam! And then we cut to, it's an immediate cut of Burt Reynolds pulling up in front of Lauren Hutton's house. And she's all excited because she got interviewed by uh, Walter Cronkite. She covered the story and the people in New York want to come see her. So this is the end scene. Now, this movie, you think that they're going to end up together. Uh-uh, they don't. <laughs> I didn't even tell you the best part. They called me from New York and they want me to... Go on. They want you to go to New York at what? To, um, CBS call. And they want me to bring some tapes over and, and do some interviews. Probably nothing will happen. Yes, it will. Because you want it so much. I want it more than anything in the world. 
know. I want you to, to meet my daughter. I'd love to meet her someday. And they say their goodbyes, and Burt Reynolds hops into his car, and he drives away, and that is the end of the movie. And that, my friends, is Gator, 1976, Burt Reynolds' directorial debut, motion picture-wise, that is. And what did I think of the movie? This movie was an hour and 55 minutes, could have been an hour and a half. I like Burt Reynolds' interpersonal directing style. But there was just a lot of crap in this movie that did not need to be in it. Burt Reynolds is always charming to watch. And Jerry Reed, as a bad guy, is he's really, really fun to watch. He plays a really good bad guy. John Weston's a little tiring as a comic relief. And Lauren Bacall and Lauren Hutton, I wish she had more to do. She was basically just a hanger-on. She helped out a little bit, but she was basically just there to be... Burt Reynolds' love interest in the film. I wish she had more to do. It's an okay movie. There are some good action scenes, but tonally it's all over the place. You don't know how to feel from one scene to another. Uh, but if you wanted to know what the 70s... This movie is totally 70s from start to finish. If you want to know what the 70s look like, uh, watch this movie. Uh, but if you do watch this movie, just be prepared that it's going to be all over the place. And that's it. This has been another episode of the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. Hope to see you guys next time. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. Raised in the swamp, back in the sloop. He grew up eating rattlesnake meat, drinking homemade brew. Now folks here about call him Gator, and everybody knows him well. Meanest man ever hit the swamp, folks swear he comes straight out of hell. <laughs> Well, Gator McCluskey, sitting on a stump, hammer pulled back on a 12-gauge pump, watching that swamp, looking out for the law, while he make the best corn liquor you ever saw. Run good whiskey. <laughs> while he's making that mash, he watches and he looks.